0: You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. and thank you so much for joining us. Again, this is the Manifesting God Podcast. I am your host. I am Prophetess Marie Elizabeth Kenyon. Thank you so much for joining me on this evening. It's so good to see all of you on board amongst the land of the living. I've been praying for you just like I've promised and I hope you've been praying for me. So listen, on the beginning of the month, we talked about carrying your own wait. And then the following Monday, we talked about my works in Christ. And I want to pick up from there. If you recall, we talked about Peter I gave you two examples I gave you the example of Peter in acts 38 and uh, acts 2 I'm sorry and 38 and I talked about how Peter had a walk with Christ the person he had a walk with Christ so he was able once Christ had ascended and went to sit at the right hand of the father he was able Peter able to carry on the work and his message was one of repentance, his walk with Christ in the natural and in the spirit. And in the spirit, once Christ ascended, it allowed Peter to be able to have a a view of God that Paul did not have. Our second example, Peter actually walked with Christ. And his message was one of repentance and be baptized for the remission of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it was again birthed out of his experience for walking with the living, breathing man of Christ. And Paul, on the other hand, he walked with Christ through revelation. He walked with Christ through, uh, through, uh, through he, Paul was able to give a view of God that not very many were able to give at that time because Paul knew God as a sinner saved by grace. So, Paul, having one time being Saul, who was literally killing Christians, received, he just knew God by grace. He knew God by mercy. He knew God by, by, by revelation in the sense of he understood, repent, have faith in God, have faith in God. His faith was birthed out of his revelation of who Christ was and what Christ was to him personally. He knew he was a sinner saved by grace. And think about it because faith is not something that we can actually see. It is birthed out of what we believe out of what we believe. So Paul had a message that said, listen, not only are you going to repent and be baptized, but you are going to allow God to use you as an example of his grace, of his love. You're going to allow God to show you off as his grace, show his grace through you. Show it through you what he's done for you, what he's delivered you from. So I wanted to repeat that to us because we need to comprehend the message of the two different apostles. And I've used these two as an example because one walked with Christ in the person and one walked with him in revelation of who he was. They had two somewhat different relationships. Relationship with Christ, but they had the same message. They had the same message. Repent and be cleansed of your sins. See, at the core of the apostolic message is always going to be, and this is leaders worldwide, repent. Repent. See, because Christ is coming back again. Turn from your sins and receive the gift of Jesus Christ through faith and allow God to show off his grace through you, through you, through me. Now, with that understanding, with that understanding, we are going back to Revelations where we were on last week, where we can add to this understanding what the requirements of With the requirements of the the kingdom of God, what are those requirements of? And we understand that the kingdom of God, it is in, by the way, it is in us, it is in us, but we want to understand what God is expecting. Of us, what is he expecting of us? Let's go. Let's see. Let's go back to Revelations and let's start with. I'm going to take you to Revelations one. Let's go to Revelations one and then I'm going to get along. I'm going to tell you what our topic is for today, but I want to kind of paint a picture for you. You know, I like painting pictures, I like painting pictures. I like to make it clear because when I'm speaking to you, I want you to be clear of what I'm trying to say, and sometimes it requires for me. That to know that you understand, I need to paint a picture for you and be sure that we're uh, talking about the same things because I want you to be able to digest what I'm saying to you. And however you repeat it in your context, I want you to be able to share it. See, because you can't share what you don't understand. You cannot share what you don't understand and you can't understand or comprehend what you don't sow into. That's another message. We'll get to that later. Let's go to Revelations 1 and 9 revelations one and nine. And I just want to show you something here, something that God showed me it's, it's clear as day written in the scriptures, been there all my life. I had not quite seen it this way. And I want to share it with you because you too might not have quite seen it this way. Revelations one and nine, it says, John, who also am your brother, so he's saying, I'm with you. I, I'm a part of you. And and then I want you to highlight this companion in tribulation, companion in tribulation. And then he says, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. So in the wait, we're in the wait, we're in the wait, was in the aisle that is called Patmos for the word of God. And see, we were in the island that is called Patmos. Now remember, he said, I also am your brother, so I am with you, but I am in the island at Patmos for the word of God. So there was a segregation there. There was a separation there. I am with you, but even though I'm separated from you, I am still with you. I am still a part of you. I am still your companion and tribulation. I too am still with you in the kingdom and the patience of Jesus Christ. I'm still waiting as well. And for, and for, and I want you to highlight this, the testimony of Jesus Christ. So you should have highlighted companion and tribulation. I want you to highlight patience of Jesus Christ. And then I want you to highlight testimony of Jesus Christ. So that testimony of Jesus Christ, it goes back to what he was saying, back to what Paul was saying. I'm sorry. When Paul said, so that God can show his grace through us in Ephesians 2 and 7, Christ then, if we claim Christ and we testify of him, he then begins to use us to testify. He begins to use us as part of that testimony. He uses us as part of that testimony. See, because he's our companion, He's our companion in tribulation. And we're going to find that out in these next few weeks as we go through these letters in Revelation and really begin to understand what God was saying to us there. Paul, uh, John, he made it clear to us, I am your companion in tribulation. We're going to find out Christ is the very same. I am your, and, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. I'm waiting with you too. And then he says, and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So um and the patience of Jesus Christ for the patient, for the testimony of Jesus Christ and the patience of Jesus Christ. So we're going through tribulation for the patience of Jesus Christ as we wait and for the testimony. I need patience and I got to have a testimony. I have to have you need patience to hold on to my testimony. I need my testimony to hold on to my patience. I need my patience to hold on to my testimony, but I need my testimony to hold on to my patience. See, this is not an hour. This is not an hour where we can sit with our mouths closed. This is not a time where we can sit and hear, but not hear. See, but not say. This is a time where God is requiring of us, what is your testimony of me? What do you have to say about me? What do you have that you can communicate with others about me, about me? Now I'm going to go down. Um, You know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to go back. Let's go back to revelations. We're still in one, but let's go up to verse four. I want to show you a few things. And again, I hope you got your paper Bible out. But if not, you know, you can highlight in your in your um your technical version that you may have on your iPad or on your phone or whatever. I want you to highlight these things because again, as we go through these letters in the next few weeks, I'm going to want to um, we're gonna we're gonna be going back and forth and and sharing things that God is showing me that He's trying to show us His people, trying to show us as His people. Okay, so in Revelations one and four, right? Okay, now this is God's declaration. This is God telling us who He is. It says, uh, "Let's see, Re- Revelations one and four, John to the seven churches which are, which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace." Highlight this from him, which is, and which was, and which is to come and from highlight this, the seven spirits, which are before his throne. There's some significance there that we're going to learn as we go on these next few weeks and that we, uh, we begin to discover what God is telling us in these books. Now go to revelations one and five where it says, and remember, I'm still painting that picture, and Revelations 1 and 5, and I want you to highlight this, from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince, and the kings, of the earth. Highlight that. From Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Highlight that. Again, this is God's declaration. He's telling us who he is. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Telling us what he does. Revelations 1 and 8. Skip down. Highlight this. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. Highlight that. saith the Lord which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Highlight the Almighty. Then go down. Revelations 1 and 16. Highlight this. And he had... In his right hand, seven stars. Highlight that. This is John's witness. This is what John himself is telling us that he saw when he looked at God. This is what he saw. He said he saw and he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth, out of his mouth, this is John's description, went a sharp two-edged sword. Highlight that went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Highlight that. Come on, this is, this is John giving us his description. This is what John saw. Go down or go back up, I'm sorry, to Revelations 1 and 12. I got a little bit out of order. Go to Revelations 1 and 12. And it says, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Highlight that. This is John's witness. In verse 13, it says, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the son of man, he was clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. Highlight that. Now let's go to verse 14. His head and his hairs were white like wool and white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Highlight that. This is John painting a picture for us as to what he himself saw. This is John's witness. Now, verse. Uh, let's go to verse 17. We're still in chapter one. And when I saw him, John says, I fell at his feet as dead and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, fear not. I am the first and I am the last. See, this is God's declaration. John saw him and John told to say, I fell at his feet as dead. But then, then God started talking and he says, fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he, he says in verse 18, that liveth and was dead. Highlight that. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, he said, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death, hell and death. And I'm going to tell you, uh, I give you a little trick that I do. I I tend to diagram everything because I'm a very visual learner. So I need a picture in front of me. I need to see the whole picture to really be able to understand what is happening. And I'm going to tell you some things that I noticed as I begin to read through Revelations 1. I've already told you about verses 1, chapter 1. I've already told you in verses 4, 5, 8, and 10. 18. And I guess I could say 17 and 18. Those are God's declarations that that is him. That is that is the word of God telling us who God is. Right. OK. And then I have in a different color. I have Revelations uh, 16 um revelations 12 i'm sorry revelations 1 and 16 revelations 1 and 12 and then i have revelations 1 and 14 i have those noted as they're a different color and those are john's witnesses this is john specifically telling us what he saw and this is going to matter to us as we go down and week over the next few weeks begin to look at these letters in revelation and the reason why it matters to us We're going to find it out as we go along. And this is something I want you to make note of. I just want you to make note of. Okay. So in Revelations 1 and 4, that description where he says from him, which is what the scriptures tell us and which was and which is to come. And then that other part that I had you highlight, the seven spirits, that is how he referred to himself in the letter to Sardis the church of Sardis. That is how he referred to himself there. S-A-R-D-I-S. That is how he referred to himself there as the seven spirits. This is how he referred to himself there. And then in the letter, let's look at verse one and five. You might want to write above that one where he said from Jesus Christ, who is faith, who is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. That is the letter to the, to the Laodiceans. He called himself a faithful witness, a faithful witness. And so it aligns with chapters, uh, chapter one and verse five, then go to um, chapter, we're still in chapter one, go to verse 16, go to verse 16 and make note. See, when Jesus is talking, when these letters, I'm sorry, when he's, when these letters are written, look how, look at how God references himself to each of the churches. This is what I'm telling you now, how he references himself to each of the churches. When you look at Revelations 1 and 16, he tells Ephesus, I am the seven stars. And that is in chapter six, one, I'm sorry, verse chapter one, verse 16. And then in Sardis, he also refers to himself as the seven stars. And then in the letter to Um, The church at Pergamos, if I'm saying that right, he refers to himself as the sharp two-edged sword. So that's John's witness. So he's referring to himself through John's eyes, meaning he's likely referring, I'm not going to tell you yet, he's likely referring when he's talking to this church, how they view him. We're we'll going to talk a little bit more about that later. And then in Revelations 1 and 12, Ephesus also, he refers to himself as the seven candlesticks. How about in verse 14 is how he refers to the letter through the church at Thyatira. He refers to them, eyes that were as a flame of fire. I am he with eyes as a flame of fire. He's referring to them again through John's witness. Right. And then we got the church of Smyrna who he's referring to when he talks to them. He says, I'm the first and the last. And I am he that liveth and was dead. And we're going to talk about all of that. We're going to talk about how he's referring to himself To each of these churches and what exactly that means. So if you recall on last week, we touched a little bit on that letter that he wrote to the, that was written to the church of Ephesus, to the angel. Now remember, these letters are all written to the angels of the churches, to the leaders of the churches. And so I don't want you to think that when I'm referring to these letters, it's like, whoa, oh, whoa is the leader of this church. Because although he's writing the letter to the leader of the church, he's talking leader to leader. He's talking leader to leader. We're talking eye to eye contact here because the leader is supposed to have that revelation and that revelation with Christ that they can can live out through an example for the people to see. But that doesn't give the people any excuses. And we're going to find that as we begin to dissect these letters that you, ma'am, sir, along with leadership, no more excuses, no excuses. I'm saying no more excuses, but no excuses, no more excuses, because these letters were placed in the Bible for our learning. For our learning. So we will no longer get to do what? What we're talking about tonight. No more blame game. No more blame game. No more blame game. These letters, yes, they were written to the angels of the churches. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't want to see, if you don't want to discern, drop from this right now drop, just drop from this right now. Why? Because as we go through these letters, you are going to see yourself and you are going to see what God is requiring. If he is going to label you as an overcomer, if Christ is going to label you as an overcomer, there are some prerequisites so once your eyes are opened and you find yourselves in these letters no more blame game because you will be able to know from reading these letters and dissecting these letters what god is requiring of you and it is as simple it is as simple as one word repent It is as simple as one word, repent. But the difficult part becomes in the practice and the holding on to as he was able to tell some of these churches. That was the difficult part to hold on to it until Christ came. That was the difficult part. So, excuse me, as we go through right? Let's go back. We're going to start back again. I just want to show you Ephesus one more time now that you have this part of the understanding, okay? So Revelations 2 and 2 says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. Where did we see patience at when we started talking about what God requires. We saw that when John was talking and we saw that in one and nine, when John said, I am also your brother and I am your companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. I'm there with you in the wait. And so with Revelations 2 and 2, it says, I know thy works, I know thy labor, and I know thy wait. I know that you are waiting. I know that you are waiting. You're patiently waiting, right? And he says, and how thou canst not bear them which are." evil and thou hast tried them, which say they are apostles and are not, and has found them liars, found them liars. But now let's shoot the verse four. Now remember, because we're still, we're reviewing this piece because we've already went over this piece. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou has left thy first love. So we want to be clear here. When he says, I know thy work. Now he starts off all the letters and he says, I know thy work. But when you read on, he gets more descriptive. He says, I know your labor. And I know your patience. I know your weight. I know you're waiting for me. I know your labor. And that's why we talked about last week, my works in Christ. He says, I know your labor, but he says, regardless of all that you're doing, remember we talked about this, all that you're doing, you've left your first love. So you're doing a whole lot, but it's without me. And then revelations two and six, I'm not going to, you know, Dally, because we did talk about that. Uh, uh, Revelations 2 and 6, it says, But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Uh, I can't get this word Nicol- 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 Nicolaitans. How about that, honey? Nicolaitans, which I also hate, and I explained to you what the with that with that uh belief was of. It was one that said, uh, "Stay close to God in the spirit, but your spirit and your flesh are two different entities. What you do in the flesh basically has nothing to do with what you do in the spirit. You can still be of God in the spirit if you're praying and you're studying the Word of God. You can still be that in the spirit, and then you can go do whatever you want." In the flesh, and you'll still be received, which is not true, not true at all. So we talked in detail about that last week. Go back and listen if you didn't if you missed that. And then Revelations uh, two and five were backing up. He said, Remember therefore from whence thou art calling. And then he told them to repent and do your first works, or else. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and I will remove thy candlestick out of thy place, except thou repent. And then the reward he told them in verse seven he said, He that hath an ear, hear, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, to him that overcometh. I will give them the overcomer to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So I went back over this one quickly because I wanted to give you an idea of where we're going with this, because it's very clear to us what God is requiring. We we talked about it last week. Now, I want to summarize it for you so you can get an idea of when you're reading through these letters for the remainder of the week over and over and over again as we go and we, um, we begin to dissect these letters, we begin to understand what God is trying to say to us. Don't let your labor, don't let your work be work that is done without Christ. One sentence is, don't let your labor or your work be work or labor that is done not of Christ. Be about your father's business because otherwise Christ considers any work you do that is not inclusive of, of him as work that you have done in vain because it's without him. You have indeed left your first love and he's telling them the very thing that you hate is the thing that you become and how is it that they become that Be, they become that because they're doing so much in the flesh and they think that because they're they're praying or they they're they're reading their bibles reading whatever they there is that they think they're doing in god they have indeed separated the spirit from the flesh because they think they're doing it of God and they absolutely are not. And what was his requirement? His requirement was that they repent, that they repent. Or he said, I'll remove the candlestick from you quickly. In other words, I have no more use for you. I take my breath back. I have no more use for you. However, if you're able to hear me, if you're able to hear me and you overcome then I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the fruit from the tree of life. I'm going to give you life. I'm going to give you eternal life. You see where I'm going with that? There's a pattern to these letters. He's telling them what he sees. The letters are saying, angel of the house, this is what I see. This is what I see. Then he's telling them this. Now, this is the issue with what I see. You've left your first love. That's the issue. I see your labor. I see your works. I see your patience. The issue I have with that is it's not of me. Now, the the next thing he's telling him now, this is what I'm going to do. This is my request to you. Repent. That's my request to you. Repent. And this is what I'm going to do. This is the reward. If you repent, I give you life. See, I'm saying a real simple and believe it or not, I have a chart. I just told you, I have a chart for everything. I need a, I need a big picture. So what is he saying? I know what you did. I know. I see what you're doing. This is the issue with what you're doing. This is my request. And if you obey my request, this will be your reward. So you want to look at these chapters and every version of the Bible that you like to look at. I like to look at at least five or six different versions before I even go to a concordance to understand what they're saying first. And then I look up background to really understand what what it really is that um, I guess. To dissect it more and and get more of a history to understand what is going on. See, because we have to be clear. Remember, Ephesus is a church that was one of Paul's missionary journeys. He wrote them a letter that we do read, Ephesians, we do read that letter. And the problem was this with this particular church, let's see, I have it in my notes here. Um, Let's see, seeds of the gospel were sown immediately. We know that part. And um, let's see, the Jews were established at Ephesus. We know that part. But Paul, Paul was really dealing with this, dealing with this body of believers. And so, you know, as he does, as Paul did in all of his letters, and it was, it was the same thing. You're the same thing that this letter is saying right here. Don't try to separate, don't try to separate your labor from Christ. We do what we do as unto Christ as unto Christ. Don't try to to separate what you do in the flesh from what you do in the spirit. They absolutely must align. Why? Because it is the spirit that's going to govern your flesh. If the spirit is going to govern your flesh. Now I want to go down and I want to look at, let's see, I want to look at the next letter. And that letter is, let me open up my Bible. That letter is the letter to, I believe it's the Pergamos, but let me double check where, where that, which letter that is. Let me open up my Bible. Okay. Let's see. Okay. So we're going to go now to, uh, Revelation 2. Right. We're in Revelations 2. And oh no, we're going to we're going to the Church of Smyrna. We're going to the Church of Smyrna. And I'm not going to do these in order every week because I have a um, I'll call it a specialist. I'll call it a specialist, my special guest that I want to bring in because there's some deep dive that I want to go into because I want to open your eyes to some things that are right. In front of you. And some of us are not seeing those things because of a lot of reasons. We're busy with life. We're busy with, you know, uh, assumptions. And sometimes something can be in your face for so long that you don't, you no longer see it for exactly what it is. And there we are in a place now where we need to see some things. Christ is calling for us to see some things exactly how they are in this series. No more blame game. We don't get to listen. He's going to be opening our eyes to some truths about us and about what's around us and about who we're with, about who we're with. And some of you are going to have to make some tough decisions if you're not going to see some change or you can go down with the ship because you won't be able to blame anymore. You won't be able to blame anymore. This is about opening your eyes to what's around you, what you are a part of and what's in you so that we can get right because God has made a turn and we don't want to disqualify ourselves from what God is about to do. So now we are in uh, Revelations. We are in chapter two. We're in verse eight, where it says an and unto the angel of the church of Smyrna write these things saith the first and the last, these things which saith the first and and the last. Where did we see that at? We saw that in uh, Revelations 1 and 17, where Christ described himself. This is after John said, I fell down at his feet did When I thought I saw him, he said, I am the first and the last. I am the first. And he's only said this to the church of Smyrna, he's only wrote written this to the angel of the church of Smyrna. These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. He said that in verse 18: I am he that liveth and was dead. And then he says, I know thy works, I know thy works, I know thy tribulation. He says, I know thy tribulation. What did John say? Come on, you got to think. Where did I see that at? You saw that in Revelations 1 and 9. I read that initially where John said that I am also your brother and I am a companion with you in tribulation. In tribulation. He said in verse 9, Revelations 2 and 9, I know thy works and thy tribulation and poverty. But listen here, but thou art rich. But thou art rich, he said. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews. I know who they are. I know those that say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. And he said, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt in the second death. He that overcometh shall not be hurt in the second death. In the Second death. Now let's think about uh, a little bit. Let's learn a little bit about this church in Smyrna. This was a church that vied with Ephesus and um, Pergamon. If I'm saying that right, for the title of the first city of Asia. This was a Christian church, and a bishop a bishopric of sort existed there from a very early time, probably originating in the considerable in the um, consideration of the Jewish colony. Now, I want to let's let's look at it again, 2 and 9, right? Where it says, "I know thy works." Remember I told you each letter is opening up with I know thy works, but then it's as if the letter goes on to explain what those works are. This church had works of tribulation, and they had works of poverty Now we know what tribulation is, and we know that from when John, we read that earlier in John 1 and 9, I mean John, in Revelations 1 and 9, I believe, but this is the part that caught my attention. I know thy works, he said, and tribulation, he said, and poverty but thou art rich. And I was like, why did he say that they were rich? Why does he refer to this church out of his proclamation of who he is and not out of John's revelation of who he is? See, John painted a picture of what he saw in Christ, but the this description that Christ uses, that this letter uses when it describes, you know, uh let me see, verse 9, I know that we're, we're, I'm looking for a certain part here. I know that blasphemy through the are not fear none of these things. Okay. I know. Where am I? I'm looking for a part. Oh, here it is. Verse eight. And unto the angel of the church of Smyrna write, these things saith, right? That I always stop there. The first and the last, which is dead and is alive. Like who's, what description is he using? Is he, is he talking about how John saw him or is he talking about the first few chapters and first few verses in chapter one, how he is described? And I realized, I said, Oh, I said the reason why he's saying, but thou art rich. The reason why, because they understood that the church of Smyrna understood that Christ was the first And the last he was dead. And now he's alive sitting. I'll add on another scripture, sitting at the right hand of the father, talking about them, talking about them. They understood this. This is why he said, I know you don't have, but you do have, I know you're in poverty, but you're actually wealthy. You're wealthy. Why? Because you comprehend Christ. You comprehend me. You comprehend me. So you are wealthy. So in turn, what they get, what they, let me see, let me continue. I don't want to, I don't want to move ahead of myself. And he says, and I know the blasphemy of them, which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. And he's saying to them, I know those who say they comprehend me like you do, but I know they don't. I know that. I know that. I know that. See, sometimes we try to fight battles that aren't ours to fight because we get annoyed with those who have an image of Christ, but their lifestyle denies the power thereof. And we get rattled because of their image of Christ. But what this scripture is telling me, Christ is saying, I know they're, I know they're just carrying an image. I know that they're not of me. I know they don't know me like you know me. That's not a battle. I need you to fight. I know that. I know that. And you know how I know this is true? Because if you go to verse 10, the following verse, he comforts them. He comforts them when he says, fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about the fact that their image, their image mocks your truth. Don't worry about that. That's not your battle to fight, that their image, their mere image of me mocks your truth of me, their their image of me. it, It comes again, and you battle with it because of the truth that you know that Christ is, that your truth is battling with their image. But he says, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer because it's a suffering. Behold the devil. And he tells them this, there's there's going to be more. He tells them there's going to be more because guess what? Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. You got bigger worries. You got bigger things to deal with. The devil is going to cast some of you into prison so that ye may be tried. But guess what? Them too so that they may be tried so that they may be tried and ye shall have tribulation 10 days, 10 days. We're going to go into depth in that 10 days, be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown to crown of life. A image. The image has no ability to be faithful till death. The image, Cracks under the mere weight of the possibility of death. See, because the image is the reason why it's just the image of who Christ is, because the character cannot stand. We know that's the frustrating part. We see the image and we know the character behind the image cannot stand, it cannot stand, and it's warring with the truth. Of who we know God to be, and the truth that we are standing in, the truth that we suffer for, the truth that we'll be imprisoned for, the truth that we are imprisoned for. We're imprisoned for the truth of God. We're imprisoned for the truth of the name of God. We don't. We are shunned. We are cast aside just at the mere just that the mere thought of the truth when we show up, when we show up, but the imagery that we think that appears to be standing, that we know that character is nothing but destruction, that will not stand when the suffering comes. That will not stand when it's time to be in prison. That does not stand. See, don't imagine don't don't imagine prison as literally behind bars, but imagine prison as being suff- a truth being suffocated. A truth being suffocated. And then you'll know you're in a prison right now. You're in a prison right now looking at the those that portray the image of Christ, but do not have the truth thereof. And it seems like they're free and it seems like they're able to carry on and it seems like life is moving for them, but it is not, but it is not. If you are not standing in the truth of God, whatever movement you think you see is part of the image that is you it is only a part of the image that you portray but it is not indeed christ Christ, the, the Christ, the truth of who Christ is will stand under pressure. It will stand under imprisonment, meaning it will stand imprisonment as far as being ridiculed, as far as being cast aside, as far as no one wanting to hear from you. As so, as far as your freedoms and your liberties seemingly being taken, that truth is still standing. How do I know that that is indeed true because you are standing you are. if you are under the sound of my voice and you are listening to me right now i decree and declare and confirm you are indeed standing you are indeed standing even under imprisonment even under the foot what the enemy would like you to believe is his foot you are still standing What is portrayed as free, the image of free is only moving within its own image. It is not truth. It is not truth. It is like a lie that's being told and another lie is being told to cover that lie. And then another lie has to be told to cover that lie. Next, you know, the person has been telling so many lies that they start to believe their lie. So they've been taken over with the image that they themselves have created. Oh, it's a thing. Oh, it is a thing. So what he does here in this scripture, I love it because they are being comforted to know that. Don't, listen, don't worry about the image because the image the image of Christ, it will get crushed. It will get crushed under the worldly pressures. It will get crushed under the truth that is Christ. It gets crushed under the truth that is christ see this tells me that there is a place there is a place that we can come to that exists today where people comprehend the true and the living god and we don't have to those of us that comprehend the true and the living god stop letting the image the image of god intimidate you stop letting the image of God shut you down. You represent the truth, the true and the living God. And guess what? Holiness is still right. It's still a thing. It's still a thing. It is still right. There are people who are persecuted and ridiculed by those who say they are of the kingdom of God. They, they're saying that they are of God and we're looking at their lifestyle and their lifestyle contradicts God. Why? Because it has, it has crumbled under the weight. Under the weight of the truth, the weight of the truth. See, if the image can't comprehend the truth. The image can't comprehend the truth. The image can't live in the truth. The image cannot thrive in the truth. This church, they fought for their companionship in tribulation. They fought. They fought for it. why? Because when they know, they know in Revelations 2, 11, it says, he that hath an ear, let him hear. And he that overcometh shall not be hurt in the second death. So he's literally breaking down the promise for them because you were my companion, even through tribulation, I'm going to give you the crown of life because you had the patience of Jesus Christ. I'm going to keep you from the hour of temptation because you had the testimony of Jesus Christ. You're not going to be hurt in the second death. You're not going to suffer in the second death for what you believe today, for what you believe today. This is something that he said to both the church of Philadelphia and the church of Smyrna. So now if you flip this, not necessarily flip it, but if you, if you, yeah, I guess if you flip that mirror and you start to turn it on yourself, is that you? Are you one, are you one that when Christ says, I know your works, are you one that are, that you believe Christ to be your companion in tribulation, your companion in tribulation? Do you under? do you comprehend, do you comprehend that while you may lack uh natural, natural things that you are rich spiritually? Do you comprehend that? Do you comprehend um, as he addressed them in Smyrna that, do you comprehend that he's the first and the last? That he is the one, the same one that which was dead that he's now alive. Do we comprehend that? See, because if we do, we can receive that word of comfort. If you do, you've already received that word of comfort. When the enemy comes in like a flood, you already understand that God is going to raise up a standard, so you're not intimidated. You don't feel like backing down when you see the imagery, the false. Images of Christ. When you see them, you're not intimidated, and you're not frustrated, nor are you aggravated, because you realize that you carry the truth of Christ. So you understand that when you walk into the room, all all imagery is is exposed for what it is, because the truth just walked into the room. The truth just walked into the room with the with the companion of tribulation. The truth just walked into the room with the testimony of Jesus Christ, and the truth can stand against and cannot be imprisoned by an image of Christ. Not in any way, shape, and form. If you really believe that, do you know what you believe? Do you know what you believe? Because it matters to whom? To you. You need to know if you can stand under pressure. You need to know, examine yourself. How do you feel? What is your reaction when you see the false images of Christ? And you know those are false images because you know the character. You know the character that's behind that image, and you know that character doesn't align with the will or the purposes of God. What do you do when you walk into or see the the false image of Christ? Do you crumble? Do you crumble? Do you accept the bars that are being put in front of you and consider yourself in prison, or do you rise up? To the occasion, do you rise up in truth, understanding that greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world? What is your response? What is your response? I'm throwing all these questions out there. These are things for you to examine. These are things for you to examine. And listen, and when you not when you get done examining you, examine those around you. When you get done examining those around you, examine your examine the leadership that you walk with. Examine them. Are they walking in a way of faith? Are they an example to you of faith? Leaders, are you being an example to the flock as people of faith or do you have an image in the pulpit? Do you have a image of Christ in the pulpit that your character cannot sustain when you step out of the pulpit. See, be careful because guess what? If you as a leader in the pulpit don't know that about yourself, I promise you the people know it about you, which tells me that if you think you don't know it about yourself, you're denying a truth already because you do know. You do know. And, and and this is a time where God is calling us. He is calling us not only as leaders, but as the people. First of all, as the leaders, examine yourself. If you find that you are not in the faith, sit it on down. And for the people, don't use your leader as an excuse to do whatever you want to do in the flesh. Don't be a Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon. Oh my goodness. I'm talking about the uh, cartoon, ain't I? Don't be the the TV network. Don't be of the faith of one that says, I can do one thing in my flesh and I can do another thing in my spirit. Don't be the one that's that's looking for an excuse to to do whatever you want to do in the flesh. So you follow a leader that's doing whatever they want to do in the flesh. How about you raise the standard of yourself? on yourself. See, because guess what? Now that you know this truth, I told you, I gave you a second, you could have dropped earlier and you would have never known. Now, you know, now you know. So now you are responsible for examining yourself, examining what you are allowing around you and examining your leadership and your leadership examining you. See, we no more blame game. The leaders don't get to blame the people that don't want to live holy. And the people that don't want to live holy don't get to blame the leader that doesn't want to live holy you have to make a decision. Which one do you want to be? Do you want to be a companion in tribulation? Do you want to have, are you going to be patient in the way of Jesus Christ? Do you want to have the testimony of Jesus Christ and exercise all three? Or do you prefer to just stick with your image? That works better for you sticking with your image works better for you. It's easy for you. Is it easy for you to be one thing before the people and something completely different when you're on your own? You like that better. Is that more comfortable for you? And you just hope that God give you a few seconds before he takes you before he blows out your candle, uh, blows out your candle to, uh, to repent. Or Is that what your hope is? Is that what your hope is? Is your hope that he'll knock on the door real loudly before he comes in to, to take you home so that you can get a chance to repent? Is that the hope? Is that what you're betting on? Is that what you're betting on because it worked for your unsaved sister or brother with that didn't know what you know now? See, no more blame game no more blame game. The decision is yours. We just got done. We reviewed the church of Ephesus and we talked about the church of Smyrna. And like I said, we're going to do some deep dives because I really want to get into, and I really want to make it clear to you about the false doctrines and how they creep, how they just creep into the church go to Colossians for me, just go to Colossians real quick for me. We, I just want to, I just want to bring that to your attention because we need to, it, we, you know, um, as, as men and women of God, especially in leadership, you're, Teach your people what, so they're not so easily d- taken over by things. To see, there's so much going on on the internet. There's so many people out there speaking the word of God. There's supposedly there's so many people out there, and there's some out there that really are. And we have to exercise our discernment to know what is what God is really saying to us. Because there's a doctrine that is that has uh that started off as a seed. That is now full blown and out of control in our churches, out of control. And it's ravishing the people of God because they just don't know. They just don't know. They won't read their Bibles on their own because they're not encouraged to. And then they depend on their leaders to tell them the truth. And then the leaders don't tell them the truth because they have other things that they feel are more important to tell them. So they don't tell them the whole truth, but you need to know the whole truth. Go to Colossians 2. And I just want to leave you with this because I want you to think on this and we're going to, we're going to keep delving into it. I'm going to keep going on, going through it over and over again as we go through these different Different letters. And we find ourselves in these letters and we begin to allow God to cleanse us of the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, because he desires that we be clean in our entire, entire self, not in the part, but entirely. He desires that we be clean. I want to just go over real quick um, uh, Colossians 2 and go to verse 6, where it says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, walk in union with him. And I am in the Amplified Bible, reflecting his character in the things you do and say, living lives that lead others away from sin, not to sin. You hear me, leaders? We should be leading people away from sin, not to sin. And that goes for our actions as well. You do, you say things and you keep in mind the other person's conscience. How might they interpret this? How might they interpret my actions? How might they interpret my words? Because you do understand that the interpretation is up to the, up to the listener, not the person speaking. So how I interpret what you say to me is based on my frame of mind at the time you say it. And I can have a completely different understanding of what you said based on my frame of mind. Not saying that you have to start reading my mind. We're not going to go into witchcraft, but you're using words that are careful not to turn me and to turn me towards sin. You want to turn me away from sin. Verse seven says, having been deeply rooted in him and now being continually built up in him and becoming increasingly more established in your faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. How about this? Verse eight, see to it. You see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. And it says here in the Amplified um, Bible, pseudo-intellectual babble. According to the tradition and musing of mere men, following the elementary principles of this world, rather than following the truth, the teachings of Christ. So this is what we're going to be going through these uh, letters for, because we have to begin to discern for ourselves and not be taken away with vain words and intellectual wisdom. Intellectualism. We don't want to be taken away with this. And if you recall, some time ago, um, I had did um, a teaching on seeing through the mirage, and I'm going to bring back out some of that teaching that we're going to go into into depth in because I'm I'm very much wanting to expose to you a little bit more of Gnosticism, and I want to talk. Let me get my apostle in here because we want to talk about how the seed of it. That, that started in Coloss and then we want to talk about how that seed morphed into a full grown I want to say plant tree lawn whatever a full grown thing and what it might look like in the church today because this is this is uh this is penetrating our churches and this was while it was a seed in this time that Paul was dealing with we're going to see that that thing morphed throughout the churches. And we're going to even see it in our letters that are written in revelations, how that thing morphed into this, this huge deception that people were being taken with. But the Bible tells us that you're only taken away, carried away by your own lust. But it's like, I want to, I want to be able to break that thing down for you to the point so that you can see how, you know, how one, um, one, um, one thing can turn into something so huge that and and so so deceptive we have to open our eyes to the to the deception that some of us are walking in that we think is Christ and it's not Christ at all. So you go and you go back. I want you to read those letters and revelations. I want you to go through those and we're going to go, uh, we're going to go through this a little bit more. Like I said, I'm going to be bringing out some more of that teaching on Gnosticism. Maybe we'll talk about ceremonialism, a a cynicism, um, a, a few of the other things that might enter in. I just really want to begin to, God really wants to begin to open our eyes to what, What is around us that has an image of him, but is not at all him. You have to begin to, like I taught then, see through the mirage, but now we're going to actually look at the church as a whole, the body of believers as a whole, and we're going to see where that little piece, that little leaven in us. Is threatening to leaven the entire lump if we don't get ourselves, if we don't come to a realization of the truth of what God is saying to us in this time. And if we don't begin to recognize, if we do not begin to recognize is what I want to say, what is happening today and what used to be the church. See, because we're going to God is doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing and we need to be able to turn. We need to be able to recognize the new from the old. And then we need to understand why the old is now the old so that we don't go back to that so that we don't go back to that and find ourselves taken over with something that is not God because we went back to the former thing. See, guess what? If the church building can open back up today, right? And we just head right back in as if nothing never happened. And even though where we're headed back in, we know that that wasn't working then. And we just turn around and go right back to our former ways. Then we will have missed. We have will have missed God on a whole major level. Like God is on another state as if and we're still on the same street. We don't want to miss God. And what God is going to be showing us through these teachings. (coughs) What God is going to begin to show us through these lessons is what's not him and what is him. And why the old has to be left behind. And why we have to press forward toward the mark of the high calling that is in Christ Jesus. If we're not careful, we'll be pressing along, we'll be pressing toward a mark that's alongside Christ Jesus, not within. And we want to be in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today. We thank you for our life. We thank you for health. And we thank you that we live and breathe in you so we have our strength in you. We thank you that you're our Lord. We thank you that you're our Savior. And we thank you that you're our Deliverer. We thank you that you're our Healer. We thank you that you're our Strong Tower. We thank you that you're our Father. We thank you that you died, that we might have a right just to talk to you today like we're doing. We ask you, God, open our eyes, increase our discernment. We want to know you. We want to know you in the power of your sin. We want to know you, God. We want to know you in the companion of your fellowship of the gospel. We want to know you, God, as in the companionship of tribulation. We want to know you, God. We want to know you, God. We want to know you, God. And we reach for you today, God. And we ask you today, God, to make yourself known unto us. We want to see you. We want to turn this corner with you, oh God. Help us, oh God, to stay with you. We no longer want to walk on the outskirts of the kingdom of God and the revelation therein. But we want to walk within it, God. We want to walk with you, oh God. We want to walk hand in hand with you, oh God. And I ask you, Lord God, to to open our eyes, open our ears that we may hear you. Open our ears that we may hear you, God. We want to be overcomers, oh God. We don't want to be caught up into the old. We don't want to be distracted by the old, and we want to understand why the old must now be the old. But we want to press forward toward the mark of the prize of the high calling that is in you, God, God, God. Cleanse us, God, of filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. We want a pure heart towards you. We want a pure heart towards you, God. Save God, heal, and make free. Save God, heal, and make free. We want your kingdom to come, and we want your will to be done in us. In us, oh God. I send my voice throughout the airwaves. In the name of Jesus, throughout the world, heal make free, deliver, rescue, heal, make free, deliver, rescue, heal, and make free, and deliver, oh God, the people under the sound of my voice, and in his Jesus' name, I pray, I say, I pray, God, rescue your people, God, as they reach for you in this season, God, Make your pathways clear for us, God. In the name of Jesus, we follow the light that you have left for us, God. We come, we come, we come, we come, we come, we come to our Savior, our living Savior, our Lord God, and our Deliverer. We give you glory. We give you honor. It's in Jesus' name I pray. It's in Jesus' name I pray. I'll see you on next week. Make sure you read Revelations, read those letters to the churches. Let's begin to delve in, read Colossians, read the whole book, read the whole book, read it over and over again, and let's begin to dive in and really begin to understand what we are seeing so that we can know why the old has to be put aside and we must now reach toward the new. Remember, I am praying for you, each and every one of you. I am praying for you. Keep me and my family in your prayers. I'll see you on next Monday. I'll see you on next Monday. I love you. Thank you so much. If you want to sow a seed, I'm Marie Elizabeth. Sow a seed. If this word has blessed you, sow a seed so that you will be able to retain what I have said. I'm leaving this broadcast out to you. Please go back and re-listen and share. Love you. Thank you so much for joining.